And so let's uh, turn our Bibles now to the book of Titus. Um, we'll read uh, the verses for today. Um, so we're reading from Titus chapter 2 and verses 1 to 10. Um, these are the words that uh, Mark will be uh, speaking from. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Amen. These are uh, God's words. Thanks, Kwame. Evening, everybody. It's, um, it's really nice to be back. It's been, it's unbelievable. It's been nearly three years since um, Lisa and myself and the boys moved out to Bankery to, to serve out there. And now, um, of course, there's an extra one of us. Uh, so we've got wee Phoebe, who is five months old uh, and growing every day. Um, so they all send their, their um, wishes on, or at least Lisa does. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely to, to be back here. Um, the message tonight is from Titus chapter 2, uh, and the title I've given it is Authentic Gospel Community That Brings the Word to Life. And it's here that I experienced so much of that authentic gospel community that this passage talks about. Um, so let's, uh, let's get into it together. Keep your Bibles open at Titus chapter 2, and we're looking at those first 10 verses. This book of Titus was written by Paul, a servant of the truth, to his true child in the common faith, Titus. And at some point, probably after his release from prison at the end of Acts 28, Paul and Titus journeyed off to Crete, preached the gospel there, and set up churches on that wee island. And, and Paul left Titus behind to finish the work. And he sends Titus this letter to urge him to set in order what's left to do. His job is to ensure that the truth is known and taught and lived in the church in Crete. And to that end, he instructs Titus to, to put elders in place. And these were to be men that would lead the church in sound doctrine. And they would be men who knew the, church, uh, knew the truth, who had themselves been transformed by the truth and were able to teach that truth and defend it in a, in a world that is hostile to truth. And so this week, when we get into chapter 2, we see Paul impressing on Titus the need for the church not just to, to know the truth, but to be a place where the truth is taught, 
by everyone, to everyone, and where this truth is lived out. This, this truth is not just to be learned, it's to be lived. And because this truth, as, as Kwame was saying actually, is not just, it's not just information to be passed on. This is transformational. So here we see Paul urging the church in Crete to become an authentic gospel community where the word of truth is brought to life. Now, there's, there is nothing so unattractive and off-putting to us as people who will tell us, do as I say, not as I do. And not many people actually are bold enough to say that out loud, but, but the way that people behave, and some leaders especially, they very much give the message, do what I say, but don't do what I do. Uh, and this is hypocrisy. And it stands out to us as an ugly thing. And I wish I didn't have so many stories of hypocrisy in my own life. But there is one that I w- I'm able to share with you. Um, in, in a previous life, I was a physio. And I was an exercise specialist. And I would set up exercise classes. And I would tell people the exercise guidelines. And not to be sedentary. And to get in their required minutes of exercise. Meanwhile... I, I wasn't following any of these guidelines, and I was probably the most sedentary person in the room. And if they had known, the message that I was giving across about physical activity would have just come across as nonsense. Either the message is nonsense, or the messenger is nonsense, or both. Uh, either way, it's not a good look. This kind of hypocrisy undermines the message completely. And that's bad if you're a physio, but it's a lot worse if you're teaching people the gospel. It's a lot worse if you're trying to tell people the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. So Paul takes aim really at hypocrisy. Uh, In verses 1 to 10, we see here that he wants the church to avoid the pitfalls of gospel hypocrisy so that they might be an authentic gospel community. So we're going to see in these verses how an authentic gospel community is formed. We see what that authentic gospel community looks like and then why it matters. Why does authentic gospel community matter? Well, let's look at these. How authentic gospel community is formed. It begins with leaders who are different. We see that at the very start of chapter 2. Paul begins with a pivot away from the false teachers that he had been admonishing just before at the end of chapter 1, pointing out their hypocrisy. He said, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And then he starts, but as for you. Paul says to Titus, but as for you, you should be nothing like this. Your words and works, they must be in harmony. You must not be like the false teachers who profess one thing, but their lives say just a different thing entirely. Authentic gospel community begins with leaders whose lives have genuinely been transformed by the gospel. It's worth pausing, though, to say what this message of the gospel is that transforms What is this truth? Paul speaks of it in verse 11 of chapter 2 in Titus. And in verse 14, he says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Verse 14, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself 
a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. The gospel is the truth that all people need this salvation. We need saved. We need redeemed. Redeemed from lawlessness, as Paul puts it. The sin that separates us from God. People are unable to work their way back to God by their own good efforts. They can't earn it. No one can. So we need a Savior who operates by grace. And Jesus Christ is such a Savior. One who would redeem people out of lawlessness and save them to good works. No one is saved by their own good works, but all are saved to do good works. This is the gospel that saves and transforms. So authentic gospel community begins with leaders who have been transformed by this gospel. And then authentic gospel community is formed by, by leaders who teach sound doctrine. So Paul goes on to say, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Those who have been transformed need to be those who teach. And the elders of the church are included in this here. And sound doctrine, the word sound, it really just means healthy and whole. It means teaching God's truth, not man's truth. It's truth that is from God, and they are to be teachers of God's word, all of God's word, not their own. And they are to teach in such a way that the whole church community knows the truth clearly. Now note that, that Paul doesn't just say, teach sound doctrine. He, he does want Titus to teach sound doctrine, but he says more than that. He says, teach what accords with sound doctrine. He wants Titus to apply this sound doctrine to the lives of people, how this should look in your day-to-day life. And again, this points to the lived-out transformation that the gospel brings. The doctrine in God's words, the truth that God reveals to us about who he is, who we are, how much we need him. It's not just interesting information. It's truth that should transform us, and it has a daily life application for us. So they're not just to to communicate truth, but they are to communicate it in a way that it applies it to everyday life. An authentic gospel community is formed by the whole community. We see that as, as Paul goes down through his list of instructions here. Paul doesn't stop with just telling the leaders of the church to teach. So this doesn't only apply to those in positions of leadership in the church. Leaders do have the primary responsibility. There are men who are gifted and assigned the task of teaching the church, but the responsibility of teaching and forming an authentic gospel community is not the remit of just a handful of gifted individuals alone. It is for the whole church. So there's to be this kind of this teaching cascade. Everyone who has been transformed by the gospel is to teach everyone else in this gospel community to live lives transformed by the gospel. This is how authentic gospel community is is formed. And Paul tells the leaders to teach, and older men to teach, and to teach younger men, and older women to teach younger women. You know, this is, again, this is something that that I benefited from in my time here and in in other churches as well. This This is where older men have got alongside me and, and taken me under their wing and, and taught me from their experience and their wisdom and knowing how the gospel has transformed them 
they have encouraged me to, to live a gospel-transformed life. And, you know, we might ask the question when Paul talks about older men and younger men and older women and younger women, well, what age group is that? Well, I, I don't know. But you're younger than somebody, and you're older than somebody, very likely in the church. And so there is this two-way teaching. You know, you should be able to find somebody who is older than you. You should be able to find somebody who is younger than you and have this discipling relationship. They're so valuable. And if you don't have one, I would encourage you to, to pursue that. These, these relationships, these discipling relationships is where gospel community is formed. And as we've touched on, it's formed not just by a, an exchange of words, an exchange of information. Paul tells the, the people he is writing to here that it's something that is lived out. They need to be models of this. Authentic gospel community is, is formed when, when people put on display the transformational work of the gospel in their own lives. You know, Paul has a big emphasis on words in action in this passage here. Authentic gospel community is formed when leaders and teachers live out the things that they teach. We see in verse 7, Paul tells them to, to show themselves in every way to be a model of good works. So this is no do what I say but not what I do kind of approach to teaching here. The teaching that forms authentic gospel community is, is teaching that is acted out. This is the truth that transforms. And, and so those teaching ought to have transformed lives, as we've talked about. These, their words and their lives need to match. And, and they are to live their lives in such a way that the, the truth of the message is underpinned, not undermined. It's sometimes jokingly said of, of teachers that... Um, those who, who can't teach, or those who can't do, teach. Um, and, and those who can't teach anything else, teach PE. But uh, here, it's very clear that it's not those who can't do that teach. To be a teacher, it's essential that you also are a doer. But what does that look like? We've talked about, or Paul talks about, we are to be people that model these good works, model this authentic gospel community. If this is how it's formed, what's it going to look like? What do things that accord with sound doctrine look like in the community of the church, and, and where will we see it? As we've already alluded to, we see it in the whole life of the church. Paul addresses young men and old men, young women and old women, and he addresses slaves, and he tells each of them what their lives ought to look like as they, they live out these gospel-transformed lives. But before we get into looking at any of the specifics, it's important to just note a couple of things. First, this, this is by no means an exhaustive list of what you need to look like as a Christian. This is not an exhaustive list of, of what a Christian ought to do. These are particular things that Paul wanted to stress to the church here in Crete. And he highlights particular things for particular groups. You know, we know Christians ought to forgive one another, but Paul says nothing here of forgiving one another. And it's not because he doesn't think forgiveness isn't important. It's just not the point of what he's getting at here. He's addressing particular things that could either undermine the gospel witness or increase the gospel witness here in Crete. And note also here, this is not a list of how to become a Christian. 
This is a letter to those who are already Christians by the grace of God and have been transformed by the gospel. So then, these are ways that those who have been transformed ought to live. So then, what does Paul stress for the church here in Crete? And and what are the behaviors that, that he's looking for in this authentic gospel community? Well, there's significant and important differences between the men and the women and the slaves and bond servants that he's talking about here. But there is, before we get to that, there's one striking commonality, one thing in common between them all. And I wonder if you spotted that. Verse 2 tells older men to be sober-minded and self-controlled. Verse 3 tells older women not to be slaves to much wine. Younger women are to be self-controlled. Verse 6, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Self-control is the one thing that we see Paul urging again and again and applying it to the lives of older and younger men, older and younger women. And although the word isn't used with the, the instructions to bond servants, we see the type of behavior that Paul urges is that of self-control. And that, that word that, that Paul uses that is, that's translated from the Greek it literally means to be in your right mind, to be sane, uh, to see the world as God sees it and act accordingly. That's the kind of emphasis that he's, he's getting across here when he's telling them to be self-controlled. It has to, be, has to do with being in your right mind, having your mind influenced by God's truth, by the gospel. So this is a self-control that needs to characterize the life of every believer. We need to be brought to our right mind by having our minds conformed to the mind of Christ, no longer living for self, no longer looking out for number one, but looking instead for the good of others, seeking to build them up and not ourselves up. No self-control in the sense of seeing things the way God does and acting in accordance with his will, is unique to those who are Christians, those who are in Christ, those who have the life of Christ. Because the Bible tells us, and we know it from our own experience, those of us who are now Christians and can remember, the Bible tells us that we are slaves to sin without Christ. We are unable to choose the things of God. We need a new heart and a new mind, and we need to be set free, set free from sin and lawlessness, and set free to live for God. This is the kind of self-control that Paul urges the church to live in. This applies to everyone, young or old, male or female, slave or free. We have been set free. We are to live in this freedom as those who have the mind of Christ. And for older men in Crete, this looks like being sober-minded, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. For younger men, they're urged to be self-controlled. Older women also are to live behaving reverently, not slandering, not being enslaved to wine. They are to teach younger women to love their families, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. And slaves, they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. 
These are the specific things that, that Paul addresses here for the church in Crete in the first century. But what do we need to see here today in Aberdeen? What should authentic gospel community look like here? Well, older men, you need to live self-controlled lives, living by the power of the Spirit. Seek to teach and train those who are younger than you. They need your wisdom. Develop relationships that will demonstrate your faith in God, your love for Him. Stick to your commitments with people and not just commitments to tasks. Younger men, you need to live self-controlled lives, living by the power of the Spirit. Use your youth to serve God, not your own pleasure. Don't fritter time on worthless things. Stop looking at porn. It will enslave you. Older women, You need to live self-controlled lives, living by the power of the Spirit. Find a younger woman you can teach and train and encourage. She needs your wisdom. Keep your tongue under control. Don't get sucked into conversations that would tear others down. Don't seek comfort in things that are not good for you. In Crete, it was wine. But for us, it might be binge eating or binge watching These things offer comfort, but they actually just enslave. Younger women, you need to live lives that are self-controlled, living by the power of the Spirit. Use your youth to serve others, not yourself. Choose to love your own husband if you have one, your kids if you have them. This takes real effort. You need the power of the Spirit for this. Everyone in your place of work Wherever that happens to be, you need to live lives that are self-controlled, living by the power of the Spirit. Work hard to please your boss. Work hard ultimately to please your heavenly master. Be honest and seek to do good even when it won't benefit you. You know, we could go on and on, and I'm sure you could add things to that list for yourself. These give us a flavor of what Paul instructs the church to look like so that they they look like an authentic gospel community. But we have to ask the reason, to what end? What is the purpose of this? And this really is the heart of this passage. And the answer is very simple, but it's also hugely profound for our day-to-day lives. Why does authentic gospel community matter? Well, Quite simply, the mission of the church depends on it. The mission of the gospel of God to save sinners depends, to some extent, on how the church behaves. How the church lives will either draw people into Jesus or repel them away from him. Gandhi is reported to have said about Christianity, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. He saw a hypocrisy. He saw the teachings of Christ, perhaps. And he saw that the lives of Christians didn't match up. And it turned him off. And and how many people have been turned away from the church because of the behavior of Christians? You know, three times in this passage, Paul gives the reason to live as an authentic gospel community. In verse 5, he says, 
the community is to live in such a way that the word of God may not be reviled. In, in verse 8, he tells the community to live and teach in such a way that they don't live in a way that an opponent may be put to shame. Or they live in a way that, a, that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. And finally, he tells the community to live in such a way that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. How we live really matters. Authentic gospel community really matters. The way that you live may cause the word of God to be reviled, to be hated. This makes your conduct of the greatest importance, not for your salvation, but for someone else's. Your conduct can be the cause of evil being spoken of the church. Are your conduct may shield the church from such accusations. Wonderfully, your conduct in your day-to-day, run-of-the-mill, workday life can be the way that the gospel is made beautiful to others. Your actions in the office or at home this week could be the thing that makes someone say, there's something beautiful there. There is something attractive in the way that Christian works with humility, with dignity, with self-control. Your actions can adorn the gospel. Your actions can adorn the doctrine of God. By our hypocrisy, we can so often repel people away from God. But by authentic, gospel-transformed lives, you may draw people to the Savior. You may show through your life the beauty of Christ and the authenticity of the gospel that can transform a person even like me and even like you. We We could never do any of this by our own efforts. Without God, the Bible tells us we are dead. We are enslaved to sin, unable to live lives that reflect the beauty of Christ. But by the grace of God, Jesus Christ has come to us and has given himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify us for himself as a people of his own possession, so that we are zealous for good works. This is all the work of Christ in us, and it's what fuels us for living a life as an authentic gospel community that brings the word to life. Let me pray, and then we're going to to sing a song which reflects the truth that we do not do any of this by our own good efforts, by our own ability. Um, Yet not through I, but through Christ in me. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the truth that we are people who need saved, that we are sinners by nature and by choice, and that sin would separate us from you eternally. But you sent Jesus Christ to redeem us. You sent Christ to come and to save us from ourselves, from our own selfish ways, from our lawlessness, from our our self-serving lives. And you have 
given us new hearts when we come to Christ in faith. You have given us new desires, and you have given us gospel-transformed lives. Lord, would you help us to, to live lives that more and more reflect the truth of the gospel? Help us to, to live lives in the way that you would have us to live so that we would give you glory, so that we would not bring the gospel into disrepute, but that by our lives we would show the beauty of Christ and the beauty of the gospel. What a thing it is that you call even us to that, that you would use us to draw people to yourself. Lord, would you do that this week in our day-to-day lives? Would you do it in our workplaces, in our homes, in our families? And would you do it all for your glory? Through the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.